Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello, and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. If you're just joining us for the first time, our Trail Mix episodes are mini episodes that take place between our larger format episodes. And in those larger format episodes, we are talking about one park at a time, typically one or two trails in each of those episodes. Trail Mix is an opportunity for us to kind of delve deeper into the world of the national parks, things that are going on just generally in the world. Um, it's kind of like our freeform episode where we shoot the breeze on some various important topics. As it is related to the national park system and the LGBTQ plus angle of this podcast, Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I think so. That's usually where we find our, our shift for our smaller episodes. And today's trail mix is called Trail Mix. Salute to America. Salute to America. Here is why this trail mix is called this. It's because that is the title of the July 4th celebration that is being broadcast and aired as per the orders of the president. An article was released earlier this week about how funds from the National Park Service were being diverted to produce this event and exactly what that means. Right. So we're going to dig a little deeper into a few of the aspects and avenues of this as we have just recently celebrated the 4th this past week. Happy 4th of July. I guess we can start by saying that. It's America's birthday. It is. Yep. Um, It is. She's she's doing okay. She's seen better years. She's seen better years. I'm typically, I'm very excited to celebrate 4th of July. Mm -hmm. I'm not as excited to celebrate this year. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. You know... 257 is going to be her year, though. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. How old is she now? Year. How old is she now? Well, we 1770, really 2019 minus 1776. Do that quick math. 243. That's right, Matilda. Yeah, that's 243 right. years Thanks, old. Thanks, Miss Honey. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are giving me distress these days in our country that I'm really hoping that we can 
find a way to come together and solve, including what we're talking about today. Right. So there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but we're really going to hyper-focus in on this because it really does stand out um, as an issue that affects the parks. To start, there was a Washington Post article that literally said $2.5 million has been diverted from the national park system to help produce the Salute to America event. And that's essentially where we got started. Knowing that, there are some things that we want to talk about before we dive directly into that event. Context, folks. Exactly. So let's talk about America's greatest treasure, which is our national park system, and what the Park Service does, what property they manage, and and really kind of what they're all about. The parks, they are second only to the Department of Defense in the amount of property that they are managing. With that comes a really heavy toll and a really heavy cost. They have over 400, I believe it's 417 sites that they specifically manage. 419. So they're specifically managing those and they need to, you know, do a lot of things um, with those sites, you know, whether it's promoting visitor safety, whether it's promoting wildlife safety, removal of items that are no longer serving the park system and maybe a danger to visitors, whether it's doing specific repairs that have been long waylaid because budgetary funds haven't been there, whether it is doing something to the effect of fixing a bridge or paving a road. These are all things that are encompassed within that park's budget and within the monies that they need to kind of not only operate, but to work to improve upon the park system and work to make sure that it's safe, enjoyable, and something that's going to be there for generations to come. I tried researching this and it was a little hard to find this, but I have been to a number of national historic sites, Uh um, as have we together. And if a building is deemed a national historic site, I believe the law is that if a repair has to be done, a repair needs to be done with the technology in the way it would have been done when it was built. So if a building was built in 1884 and it needs to be repaired in 2019, then they're going to have to repair it in the way they would have done that in 1884. And therefore, that takes even more like money, time, right. focus, and Well, because you're bringing resources in specialists and things like that. And in order to, pre- to preserve the integrity of the site. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's probably more along the lines of probably maintenance as far as like a full repair. Um, but yeah, things right. like that. But still, you're going to need to know like... But maintenance know, yeah. is a large issue here when we talk about the National right. Park. So one thing that I just wanted to state too, um, as we kind of are starting to delve into this is just what the mission of the park says, like in their own words, in the Organic Act of 1916, the National Park Service purpose was stated as it is there to conserve the scenery and the natural and historic objects and the wildlife therein, and to provide for the enjoyment of the same in such a manner and by such means as it will leave them unimpaired for the enjoyment of future generations. So a lot of the issue with any sort of deferred monies or any sort of deferred projects is that that hinders and hampers that mission from actually you know, being true and, right, and right. holding true. Let's talk a little bit about the budget, just so you can kind of get a sense for what NPS has and kind of what they're dealing with. Right. And just with 
basically any office of the government. The budget for the National Park Service is uh, publicly available. It is available on their website. You can look it up anytime, which is where we're getting all of this information from today. The 2019 budget request for MPS is $2.7 billion. They estimate that staffing will equal 17,685 full-time equivalents or full-time personnel in 2019. It's a budget increase of $18 million for fixed costs. The budget includes $289.2 million for natural and cultural resources, stewardship of the park's treasured resources. That helps to support the visitor experience and ensure public safety. The budget also includes $222.5 million for visitor services to provide interpretation, education, and park management programs, and $331.1 million for law enforcement and protection and the health and safety programs. This is the budget that is being requested by the National Park Service to Congress. Now, Outside of this budget is other money that the National Park Service collects, and that is in public fees. And that is anytime you visit a national park and you pay that entrance fee to get inside, that is a public fee. Now, it is stated that those public fees, because they come from citizens, go to park maintenance and educational programming and general improvement of the park. It does not pay staff, which is why during the government shutdown earlier this year, they had to make a special like law concession so that they could use the public fees to pay staff members that were coming in and working in the parks when they were not getting paid. Yeah, when they were furloughed. So this is a really key thing to understand here in the greater context of Salute to America, that the money that is being paid by you when you visit the park, that money is then being put into improving the park and then also creating educational programming inside of the park. And that, you know, is a collective pool. Just because like a park may not be visited as much, when you have like a Great Smoky Mountains that is the most visited park, they're not getting the most money necessarily. All the admission fees are kind of pooled collectively and then dispersed as needed throughout the park system. For example, you know, the money that Acadia National Park or Great Smoky Mountains or Zion, who are, you know, major players in the national parks, they're going to bring in more than, say, a Congaree National Park or a Great Sand Dunes National Park, which are smaller and more specific. But the collected monies get spread out so that it doesn't just stay in the park. The money that you pay Great Smoky Mountains National Park to enter is not staying to just improve the Great Smokies. The smaller parks greatly benefit from all of those public fees. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about deferred maintenance and what deferred maintenance costs are and how that kind of factors into all of this. And and from there, I think it's a good idea to just delve a little bit more into the Salute to America. So right. you're, we're kind of trying to give you all this context before we kind of talk you know, more in depth about Salute to America um, and how that is affecting the park system. There are more than $11 billion of repairs or maintenance on roads, buildings, utility systems, and other facilities or structures in the national park system. It has been postponed for a year due to budget constraints. Deferred maintenance is exactly as it sounds. It is action that needs to happen to maintain the parks, but has been pushed off mostly because of budget. 
Mm-hmm. Last year, the National Park Service tackled $671 million worth of deferred maintenance projects. And that's across the board in all parks. So sometimes roads need to get repaired. Sometimes visitor centers need A new roof. air conditioners. Yeah. Sometimes... Um, uh, new signage needs to be put up. You need to repave a parking lot. All of those things are covered under maintenance because there are visitor centers, cultural artifacts, historic buildings, cemeteries, battlefields, marinas, electrical, water systems, campgrounds, memorials. All these things have to be maintained. So last year, they did have a record-breaking, like they they may were able to do a lot of the deferred maintenance up to the tune of $671 million. However, there are still a lot left to do. And because of that, plus the newer things that have come up, I'm guessing especially because of the government shutdown. Mm -hmm. And um, everything that kind of happened thereafter in the parks without rangers and supervisorial staff there. We are now at $11.9 billion worth of deferred maintenance costs, which is $300 million more than it was in 2017. So deferred maintenance itself, as Dusty had kind of mentioned, there's a bunch of different structures or or, um, sites within a park or a historic site that need that attention. MPS breaks them down into two um, specific categories, paved roads and structures. So that includes bridges, tunnels, paved parking areas, and paved roadways. Um, And then it's also the other part is other facilities. So there's around $6 million um, that needs to, that's part of deferred maintenance for paved roads and structures. Everything under other facilities includes buildings, campgrounds, utility systems, fortifications, interpretive media, and that's around $5.75 billion. So there are a lot of deferred costs that need to be tackled. And this is not something that's necessarily going away anytime soon. Dusty said, you know, they took about $680 million and were able to tackle those deferred projects. As time goes on, those projects are just going to grow and grow, and it's going to be harder to kind of catch up and tackle them all. And here are some factors that contribute to deferred maintenance. This list I am about to reference comes from an article from pewtrust.org. One is aging infrastructures. 70% of the backlog uh, of deferred maintenance is assets that are over 60 years old. Wear and tear from hundreds of millions of visitors each year. In 2018, NPS reported that they had over 317 million visitors. Decades of inconsistent funding for maintenance. Postponement for planning, design, and contracting for more complicated multi-year projects because of budget constraints. This happens all the time. This especially happens all the time in like nonprofit world, but mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to do this multi-year project. And it's like, you got to get the budget approved every year. And so it's like you build this thing and then like you get to year three of five and suddenly you run out of money. And now you have this incomplete thing just standing there. And that was part of the the, when the government was shut down, anyone that was, I believe, on a multi-year project had if they were if it was already funded, they could be working. You know, so that right. there are some that multi-year project that budget, like Dusty was saying, may be approved, you know, yearly, or it may have been something that was set in place that is like that money is definitely going to be there each year for that sort of thing. And then, as Mike said earlier, it has the second highest number of assets of any office of the government, other than 
the, the Department, Department of Defense. Yeah. Just a few quick examples, too, of things that need to be done in specific parks. This is from an article from the National Parks Conservation Association, which is an independent organization. So at Yosemite National Park, the most pressing maintenance need is $80 million in repairs at three watershed treatment plants. So that's a big, big project. In Denali National Park, among the most pressing needs is maintenance on their 92-mile park road. It's the only way to access the heart of the park, so that's a really important project. And that is one of the pillars of what makes a national park mm-hmm. being accessible to visitors. Um, and then another is Voyagers National Park in Minnesota. They need $4.5 million worth of deferred maintenance for campsites, docks, and trails, and about $3.5 million in buildings. These are structures that, like Dusty said, some have, may have been built 60 years ago. The park system is old. Some of those parks that are up there, those first parks, Yellowstone, Yosemite, like, yeah, they get a lot of visitorship and probably a lot of attention when it comes to those projects because of that. But there are structures in on national park lands that, you know, are old. Unless it's a brand new park or a newer park, there's nothing saying that those structures are stable, say, you know, or as safe as they could be if they had the money to, you know, make the improvements that they needed for them. And the Park Service does an incredible service. Uh, clearly, we do this podcast out of love for the national parks and for being able to visit them, hike through them, see what they have to offer. It's incredible to me that this is our greatest natural treasure. We have put so little stock in doing things that need to be done for it, Um, even though it's giving a great amount of return, not only to the people of this nation, but to visitors worldwide. The national parks serve not just an audience of Americans, but a global audience. Um, and people come from all over the world to see these parks and to really marvel at their resplendent beauty. And it's something that we need to continue to put money and time and faith into to ensure that they're there for people down the road. Not to mention all of the research opportunity that is available to scientists that the National Park Service provides. You know, all of the uh, opportunities to develop other parts of our government because we have this, we have conserved these natural areas. Now let's talk about Salute to America. It all started on Bastille Day in France a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2017. Our current president went over there and saw a Bastille Day celebration. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. That included French military, um, different, you know, arms of the military, different military equipment um, through that parade. And Bastille Day is basically like French Independence Day, um, not delving too deeply into the history. Right. Um, But the storming of the Bastille was an important part of the French Revolution, um, and it acts almost as their Independence Day. Yes. Yeah. And um, you can learn more about that in the musical Les Miserables. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or just by researching Sure. Sure. So... Our current president saw that and said, I want that in America. So came back and basically was like, hey, everybody, build me a giant military parade. And he tried to do it last year, last year on Veterans Day. And 
Um, it got blocked by for a number of reasons. Most One, of it was skyrocketing costs. Like sky, crazy, crazy skyrocketing costs. costs. So he decided that he was going to do it this year on July 4th. Every single year in the National Mall, which is all of those things are national monuments. All of those things in the National Mall are a part of NPS, part of the National Park Service. There is a fireworks display on the National Mall. It has happened every year since I can remember. And um, that goes back to 1776, guys. Exactly. (laughs) So this fireworks show is literally paid for and produced by the National Park Service. And they have it in their budget to do it every single year. According to Dennis P. Galvin, the deputy director of the National Park Service, this fireworks show costs around like $2 million to produce. They know about it. It's in the annual budget every single year. It is up to the Department of Interior to make it happen. They make it happen every single year. This has now become a gigantic production, and therefore, it looks to me like a number of departments are coughing up more money out of their budgets to pay for this giant salute to America, which is where the $2.5 million from the National Park Service comes from. So... Aside from the $2 million that was budgeted, an additional $2.5 million was produced to help pay for this Salute to America event. And that $2.5 million came from public fees. They diverted $2.5 million from public fees to pay for Salute to America. The money that we all pay to the national parks to upkeep the land, do all of the um, maintenance on all of the assets, and also create educational opportunities. This is now going to pay for a military parade. Essentially. Essentially. Money that couldn't be touched when there was a government shutdown. Right. Right. Here is a quote from the Washington Post article. By tapping entrance fees to cover the presidential event... The Department of Interior is siphoning money that is typically used to enhance the visitor experience either on the mall or at smaller parks across the country, with projects ranging from road and bridge repair to habitat restoration. The transfer amounts to nearly 5% of the funds that less profitable parks used last year for upgrades, according to budget documents. It's a problem. <laughs> it, yeah. So Teresa Pierno, who is the president and CEO of the National Parks Conservation Association, we heard from an article from them earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said in an email for this Washington Post article that this is a breach of trust with the public. The public pays parks fees to fix national parks and for educational program, not the president's parade. Some other things that are problematic. The event is actually blocking access to public national monument space. That's right. So the Lincoln Memorial will be completely blocked off. During this parade. will not be allowed to be accessed by the public. Here is this other thing that is happening. This is problematic for a number of reasons. The layers are, you know, there's a lot of layers here. 
the White House has given tickets to donors and to uh, people they deem important to this current president's campaign. Those tickets are being given to these very wealthy elite people. And therefore, during this Salute to America event, the national monuments, which are always open and accessible for the most part, especially in the National Mall, are not going to be open except to very wealthy people who have a lot of money, who have been given tickets as a courtesy. Yeah, there's a quote from that article. Um, limiting public access, and by that article, I'm referencing the Washington Post article. Limiting public access to a public monument on Independence Day in favor of wealthy donors just sends a signal that our political system favors the wealthy and well-connected. Um, and Boom. yeah, other issues that... Um, the national parks held up on is that as part of the ceremony parade event, they wanted to project images of the 1969 Apollo 11 moon mission onto the Washington Monument. For what reason I am unsure of as far as the program of this event is concerned, but that is not something that the NPS does. Um, no, they, they don't believe, I believe in they projecting. Have a law against yeah, it they don't says... believe in projecting anything onto a monument or historic structure on the grounds that they should be preserved in their original form. So there's a lot of issues that are really skirting close to now, very problematic here. And here is the one that skirts the closest. We have a law in America that says you cannot use public money for any kind of political gain. A person in office cannot use taxpayer dollars to do something to campaign for themselves. To, in order to campaign for oneself, you have to raise that money yourself, which is why they all say, you know, donate to my campaign so that I can continue campaigning. And so there is concern that our current president is going to use the time when he makes an address to essentially campaign for himself. If he does that, it's literally a violation of the law. And he could be sued by the government. And responsible and for reimbursing the government. Reimbursing for... the like the U.S. Treasury mm -hmm. for uh, all of the money produced for this. Used to produce this. Salute to America. So it's good times here. It is. In the land of the free and the and home of the brave. I want to be clear. It's not just like people gathering to listen to him speak. It is... All of these military vehicles are going to parade down the streets. Air Force One is going to fly over. A whole bunch of other planes are going to fly over. The fireworks are going to be bigger and more elaborate than ever. It is an enormous undertaking to make this happen. They have had like uh, military tanks that have been many states away that have been like shipped up and um, cleaned off in order to make an appearance in this parade. So it's a big ordeal. Yes. And really, it's not only impacting the Park Service, but the public as well. 
And I want to be clear about one thing. Some people, I've literally heard them say it out loud as I'm talking about it with other people. They're like, this has never happened before. We've never had military parades ever before. And the truth is, is that that is false. We have had many military parades before. I think that criticism is coming from a place of frustration. Then it needs to be articulated more along the lines of, there's not a clear reason to have this military parade at this time. Our current president is citing that he wants to have this military parade as a celebration of our military. In the past, the only time we have had military parades were in the following times, which was to celebrate the end of the Civil War, to celebrate the end of World War I, to celebrate the end of World War II. There was a military parade at President John F. Kennedy's inauguration. It is unclear to me why that was significant enough to have a military parade, but they had one. There was one to celebrate the end of the Persian-American War. All of the previous military parades, save for perhaps John F. Kennedy's, have had clear reasons. And the reason that so many people have a frustration about this one is because they feel that it is just a move to um, an opportunity for him to campaign politically. And if that is so, then he is actually in violation of the law. Okay, Mike, we spent a lot of this episode talking about maintenance backlogs. So let's end this with, you know, a quick game of what's in your maintenance backlog? Mm, That's a good question. Um, There's a lot of personal projects. There's a lot of, um, you know professional projects as well that are just like teeming at the edges of my brain right now. Um, But yeah, definitely um, some artwork things that I would like to get to um, that are important to me that are collaborative ventures with you, um, collaborative ventures with another friend. There are house projects, Uh, the house projects. Welcome to the Happy Homeowners Club. When you get there, folks, it's it's a club that never ends until you get rid of your house. So there are a lot of personal house projects that I'd like to get done with. And, um, you know, on the, the personal end of things, there's the, you know, getting back into the being a regular functioning person after being away from vacation for 10 days and, you know, feeling like a human being again, living yeah. in the world. My maintenance backlog includes, there's a couple of closets I'd like to clean out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have those in the back of my mind. Uh, don't, I, I always say, don't get me started on making a to-do list because I'll, I'll literally stand here for the rest of my life. There are so many things to, to doing. do. There are so many things to do, right? Um, I'm going to say, like, um, I'm going to answer this in a way of, like, things like I... I really want to do, haven't had the time or the budget to do it yet. Great. Which is, I do, there's a painting that used to be in my grandmother's house that I want to actually repaint um, because it's like in really terrible conditions. Other things, hiking the Camino del Santiago. Mm, That's something I'd like to do. That's on my maintenance backlog. Yes, maintenance backlogs. Personal maintenance backlog. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Um... I'm going to also say um, I'm curious about the Pacific Crest Trail and also the Appalachian Trail. Uh, Those aren't at the top of my list, but um, I would also like to visit some national parks in some other countries too because I'm just curious about that, you know, 
each country's relationship to their own national parks. There we go. And the gay agenda. And the gay agenda. Right. Getting the gay agenda to everywhere. Right. <laughs> This has been Trail Mix by Gays at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often. That adventure is always out there. Follow us on Instagram at Gays at the National Parks and email us at Gays at the National Parks at gmail.com. Gays at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. All original music was written and recorded by Dave Seaman with Mariella Klinger. All original artwork featured on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that the Salute to America event will be taking place on the traditional lands of the Anacostans people. <laughs>